0: Welcome to Season 2 of The Influencers. We've expanded our scope to bring you interviews with some of the most interesting and thoughtful voices from the digitally-driven seismic transformation happening at the intersection of law, business and technology. We'll be sharing with you the rapidly evolving information that you need to know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Influencers, our podcast conversation on digital transformation and law. I'm Leo von Gerlach, and with me today is Eva valerie Ferreira, founder and CEO of the venture capital firm Morphace. Eva is as fascinating as her venture capital business. With a background in fintech and advanced financial technologies, Eva has set up her venture capital in a way to fully exploit artificial intelligence and other tools of digital technology for making better investment decisions. So I want to explore what that actually means with her. But before we go there, Eva, great if you just share with us the story that led you to set up Morphize, your venture investment firm.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Leo. And also thank you for having me. So we we started Morphize three years ago. um, And we as my co-founder, Max and and myself, and the major motivation to why we started the company is uh, or has been and is until today that we said venture investing as it is today and as it has been three years ago and in the past, is extremely manual. So if we look at the early stage investing, like in pre-seed and seed, the way decisions are made um, is highly driven by gut instinct. There is no quantifiable metrics at hand. There is no technology being used to find or identify um, great, talented founding teams. And um, this is why we live in a world where we have, the means to do so, right? We have the technologies. We have data at hand. We have a lot of possibilities to create um, value chains, even in investing, that are more efficient and also more accurate. And you know, so so apart from this efficiency point of view. Um, Personally, I, myself, I, I've been a founder before. My co-founder has been a, a technology founder before. And the second motivation of why we started this firm is because as founders, we have experienced various forms of biases. Because wherever there is a process that's very manual, people tend to be biased in their decisions. And um, we strongly believe that, you know, we need decision-making processes in investing that are less biased. And they can be less biased if we use technology so that more founders with more diverse backgrounds receive access to capital. And those were the major motivations where we started.
0: Wow, there's a lot in there of what you just said, and let's decompose it and go and let's take it step by step. And perhaps we start with the technology. Mm -hmm. Can you just share with us a little bit more about the technology tools you are using for your um, decisions that give you guidance?
1: Yes. So what we did is we looked at the entire value chain of investing in the early stage. And that is, in a very simplified version, set up of the process of deal flow. So um, receiving visibility over all potential investment opportunities out there um, or so-called sourcing. Um, Then the next part of it is the screening phase. Now you see a lot of um, opportunities and now you want to screen them based on your individual investment preferences. Then the decision-making process, right? Do I invest, yes or no? And then finally, um, after this, uh, the, um, the part of portfolio support, and there's a lot going on after the investment decision as well. But if we only look at these two or three parts—sourcing, screening, and let's say due diligence and/or decision—what we did is we tried and and find ways to optimize each of these processes or each of these steps. Would you like me to go more into depth of how we do that, Leo?
0: Oh yes, I think that would be extremely interesting, just not for me only, but also for our listeners.
1: Perfect. So if we look at the first step, looking at sourcing, what we do um, is we try and see every potential investment opportunity out there. And um, by out there, for now, that means Europe for us, but also the US as a next step. And to see every opportunity in investing, we scrape a lot of different sources that are prone to identifying entrepreneurial talent so we look at commercial registries or trade registries in Europe and scrape those and have built classifiers in order to identify out of the hundreds of thousands of data points of, or of companies that are being founded every day, which one is a startup and which one isn't. And as you, as you can imagine, there's only a fraction of startups next to the bakeries, the consultancies, and the many other companies that are being founded. And so we've a um, built a scraper to get all of this data and then be built an data or an algorithm to classify which of these companies are potential startups. And we also look at um, sources like LinkedIn, where a lot of founders put themselves as stealth mode and thereby give us a signal um, that they want to found a company. We also look at other sources such as Product Hunt, which is a platform where young companies post their products they're building, or GitHub and GitLab. And there's other sources that we look at. And the goal here is to have maximum coverage. So to see everything that's being founded once it has a digital footprint. Now that's one. And what that means is that now we see, you know, 20,000 companies per annum in Europe that are potential startups and that we have a signal for. The next step now is how do we identify talent you know within this large amount of data what we have built is an ai based uh, technology um in order to identify talented founders and we do this by looking at the founding teams backgrounds because we all know that at this early stage 90% of the decision if i invest or not is driven by how talented do i find the founding team how much do i believe into the founding team and uh, so what we do is we have in the step before we've enriched each of these investment opportunities with um, the background of the founding team so for example their linkedin profiles if they were available and now in this screening process, we have built a technology that says based on criteria such as previous education, previous work history, diversity in a team, right? The general composition of a team. There's um, many different factors that we look at. Um, which one is more talented? And um, this algorithm helps us massively reduce the time we need to um, find a talented team. Because if we had to manually review 20,000 deals or founding teams, that would obviously be massively um, difficult.
0: I like that image of the needle in the haystack. Um, And obviously, you just really try to make best use of data and go about intelligence way of using them for investment decisions. Um, What do you find most challenging on that path?
1: I mean, I think from a technological perspective, um, the challenges lie in one, really building models that are predicting entrepreneurial success or investment success, and at the same time are not biased. And why this is difficult is because historical data when we look at founding success, is inherently biased, right? So if we go back and look at data from the past 20 years, one, we have the challenge that until we see success, it on average takes 8 to 14 years for a company to be successful, right? And by success, I mean have achieved a certain valuation, have achieved an IPO or a certain exit, Um, And that is a challenge because it it limits the amount of data we can look into. But B, all we see in the past is the decisions that have been made. And as I said at the beginning, the fact that pre-seed investing is manual, it is prone to bias. So I only see the founding teams that have received capital and then were successful or not. I do not see the founding teams, for example, the female teams, you know, that we all know have been discriminated against in the past that did never receive money. And I cannot sort of put this into my data. So technological challenge here is to look at historical data that's inherently biased and use data from research of the present and from, you know, I like to say a vision of how we believe the world should look like and induce it into the models. So one example for this is, Leo, we could agree that gender has no impact on success, right? A woman or a man are not more or less likely to be successful as entrepreneurs because of their gender. But if we look at that variable and put it into um, our models, it will clearly say you're more likely to be successful if you're a guy. So we reduce the importance or even discriminate that variable in our model in order not to have that effect. And there's many other things, right? We see research shows that more diverse teams um, yield higher economic returns with their companies. And so we can induce that into our models with um, a certain manipulation of the data.
0: So that's also another very, very interesting topic. You speak about bias in investment decisions, certainly also to a degree fairness. And I think we read a lot about that the data pools we are using, they just may be prone to lead to biased decisions. Is there a way to say technology-driven investment strategy is less or is even more prone to just fall into the bias trap? And if so, is there anything specific you need to do in order to counter that pending challenge that you have?
1: So I, I think there's various answers to the questions and it, it, it is all dependent on how we build technology. And that's what I mean, right? We really focus a lot at Morphize on developing um, or using fair machine learning those are tools to sort of um, try to decrease the effect of an um, bias in data and historical data and there's various ways of how one can do that and I think um, uh, that's the whole idea of it right to use technology to de-bias decisions so if you do it right and we can measure that we can see highly scored companies by our own score which we call the Morph score um, on average are more diverse than uh, the founding teams who receive capital out there in the market. That's, that's one, how we can sort of measure the effect. But two, and I think that's you know, super important for what we do, just by the mere fact that we scrape all opportunities out there. So we at Morphize aim at, C, at having maximum visibility. This already makes the entire process more diverse and less biased. Why? Or let's say more, more open to diversity, because. Today, a lot of funds say, you know, I want to invest in more female teams or I want to invest in more diverse teams, but, you know, I don't see them. The reality is if you, you know, use the deal flow that we offer, you can never say this anymore because you will be able to see those um, companies. So I think it all starts with visibility and transparency in the entire process. Um, And then, of course, right, technology, if it's done wrongly, um, then um, it can be massively biased. Um but that is something you have to have in mind, and you have to always track and measure um, if if that's the case.
0: I find this fascinating, and I also think it's it's very, very just convincing and compelling. And reflecting about that, uh, why is it that just not more investors and in particular early stage investors are using these tools? To the benefit of, of and the quality of their investment decisions?
1: That's a great question. So I think various answers to that one, you know, people tend to be status quo bias. They like to play the game that they've played in the past as well. So never change a winning game. You know, like we've done investing the way we do today for the last decades. Why would we change it? It's been successful, right? We've seen this in many other industries as well. People don't like to change their habits because now there's innovative tools um, that could potentially help them. And I think we, we all have that tendency. So it's a it's a question of a mindset. Are we open to using technology? Um, in order to improve our decision making. That's that's one. I think two, there is a very specific part of investing is that it is very human driven, right? So in many investors like to say my fund is so successful because I have made these decisions, right? So there is undoubtedly a lot of ego in this industry generally. And um, if you now use technology, you know, I've received feedback from people who we work with or who um, were interested in our technology or who we've spoken about our technology that they say you know like but what if This technology takes away my job and what then in the end is my value add in this process. And I think this is a very dangerous tendency, you know, because it's like you're a doctor and now you have a tool to sort of scan x-rays. And um, we know that this tool is more precise than your own intuition and gut and, you know, expertise and now not relying on this tool because you're afraid to, you know, lose a certain. Value as a human in the process, I think, is very wrong and historically has left people behind who tended to be um, making decisions based on this. Lastly, I think the way incentives are set and the way business models in venture investment firms Mm -hmm. are set makes it difficult as well because… The size of a fund will always yield the returns of a fund, right? You traditionally have 2% management fee, as an example. Now, the larger your fund, the larger these 2% are, or the the, the more money is behind these 2%. And and now you have to make a decision of, do you invest into another person or do you invest into technology? And the big problem here is that most funds do just not have the resources to build sophisticated technologies in-house in order to do that.
0: Understood. In particular, your very nice point on the inertia of people and their decision making. Perhaps we just turn from the investment targets and your own strategy to the other side of the equation, namely those people who give money, those limited partners for your venture funds. And the question here, to what extent can you land your terrific story with them? To what extent find do you find it easy or sometimes not so easy to convince them just to put their bets down with you and more face?
1: That's um, also a really good question. So I think that we are in a phase right now where there are a lot of limited partners that are open to two things. One, generally wanting to push diversity, right, all under the umbrella of ESG, which right now is a very big topic in venture investing. And um, clearly with Morphys, we can show that, you know, through technology, we can increase transparency and diversity and decrease bias in investment portfolios. And two, I think, you know, this whole topic of data-driven investing, especially in the last three years, has received more prominence. People understand better what it means. I think there's a lot of funds that are out there and that, you know, say they use technologies, but the data and the tech stack behind it is still basic. And there's others who use technology and or who build technology in-house and it's um, it's incredibly valuable, right? There's there's some examples out there. So I think that the uh, limited partners we have spoken to historically have been partially very open to it and obviously invested because that is the edge of Morphys, right? Compared to other funds, what we've done is we've invested a lot of capital, private capital in the past to building this technology, and we really set up a tech firm. And there's also always going to be funds you know, who look at very classical criteria, which is You know how many funds have you raised in the past? How was your portfolio? How were the returns of previous investments? What's your track record? Right, to to sum that up, and are not too interested in new approaches, and that's always what it's going to be like. But I think a very important point. So, a like higher openness to the topic certainly opens a lot of doors, and certainly a lot of people are interested in it. Um, What we've done with Mofis at the beginning of this year, Leo, is that we have actually decided to offer our technology to other funds as well. So while we've done a lot of our own investments in the last year with the technology we've built, we have over the past two years received a lot of requests from external funds because, as I said before, they've been finding it challenging to build technology in-house, and two months ago we've decided to open the technology up and offer it to other funds. Two weeks after the launch, uh, we had 60 funds on board. Who? It's all in a beta phase, it's not um, something we're officially selling yet, but we work with funds in order to sort of help the entire industry to transform to a more data-driven one.
0: Well, congratulations, Eva, on your successes. And I think with all the good and for all the good reasons, I could continue this conversation forever. And certainly on those interesting points on the interface between ESG and investment decisions, more broadly on what motivates investors to just do the right thing for their investment portfolio, but just in a broader sense. But unfortunately, our time is up. So I would like to really thank you, Keep up the good work and just thank you everybody for tuning in and hope you join us again for our next edition of The Influencers, our podcast conversations on the interface of digital transformation and law. For now, goodbye. Have a good day all. Visit our digital assets and blockchain hub at engagepremium.hoganlovells.com for more podcasts and other resources.